Silent scan. Silent scan. Bombs and bits. You can't control us. Bombs and bits. A frightening dystopia. Bombs and bits. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Open your eyes. Bombs and bits. An alternate reality. <laughs> we begin as wanderers, and we are wanderers still. From the Slop Cop Studios comes this edition of Bombs and Bants with John, Mark, and the Misses. I'm John, and with me, as always, is Mark. Howdy. And the Misses. I am marginally here. That counts. That counts enough. But we have a very special guest. It's like when Bob Hope would show up on different strokes just because he was Bob Hope and he would randomly show up in people's houses because that's what happened in the 1980s. So you're, so you're saying that I'm just I'm going to play him in with a big round of applause. Like he would yes. Him. Okay. Yes. Right. Our <laughs> special guest, the boy, who we will affectionately call T-Bone for tonight's episode. You know, T-B, T-B the yeah, boy, I got it. T-Bone. Well, it's something. Welcome, T-Bone. Yo, what's up? <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard those words come out of your mouth in the 20 years that I have known you. You do not sound like a T-Bone. It's, it's, it's in the spirit of the name. There we go. I need to take this time to remind everyone to like and subscribe. That way, uh, when YouTube invariably kicks us off, we'll say, look at how many subscribers we had before they kicked us off. That's uh, okay. They'll disappear them all. That's true, too. Yeah. You have got to silence your phone. <laughs> well, I guess I that get is first. a podcast foul. We'll also hear from this week's sponsor, which is Bonnie's Coffee, for when you don't care enough to get the very best. Bonnie's Coffee, really? You're going back to a movie that came out in 1994, and you gave me last week for going back to an episode of The X-Files that aired four years later than that? Well, more people saw Pulp Fiction than saw that episode of The X-Files. What did you expect me to do? No Country for Old Men? Friendo? Ugh, don't start with that movie with me. What I is, hate that movie. What is the most you ever saw lost on the Quintus? Okay, I'll stop now. Please. But it will have, that will actually will have bearing in a little bit. Tonight's stories are, again, brought to us by Bonnie's Coffee. And we'll also have another episode of Hiding with Biden. We'll start off with my story about a new warp drive model, which requires no exotic matter. You gave me a hard time last week about the X-Files episode. And I believe my response was, when you said, what's paranormal stuff? And my response was, but we do that every week. How is that different? And here we are again. Well, yeah, we, let me get to We have part. two stories. Yes. No, two. Shh, shh, shh. Let me handle this. <laughs> the, you, you knew what you were in for when you signed up for this T-Bone. <laughs> yeah, next, uh, we'll have yeah. T-Bone with his story from the New York Post. Ex-CIA director believes UFOs could exist because Pal's plane was paused. That's a lot of P's. That's a lot of alliteration. A lot of P's. Mm -hmm. Well, it is the New York Post. And finally, we will uh, end up with Mark with probably one of the best written articles that I have seen in a long time about the United States military position or lack thereof. I was quite excited when I saw that that was from Scholar Stage because they write good stuff yeah. over there. And this one is Welcome to the Decade of Concern. And that will be the last one to come up. And now I do apologize for uh, us missing last week's podcast. Uh, we were not struck low by ebola or any other any other well not you some well, of us were no we were fine <laughs> rub some dirt on it 
but the missus was getting worked to a nub because whereas with Mark and I, normally it takes us the, the time it takes to prepare for a podcast, which is, I don't know, depends on how much beer I have. How long does it take you, Mark? Well, it's hard to say because a lot of these articles are ones I've already read before we even decide. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I would say maybe 10 or 15 minutes of going back and reviewing the article. You got 10 or 15 minutes. I am about right now at about an hour and a half. But after the show runs, the missus normally spends sometimes 15 or 20 minutes trying to put all the animation together and do all the rest of the preparation. I would <laughs> just <laughs> I would just like to say that I make up for it, though, by doing absolutely no preparation for the show at all. We'll head straight off into my story. New warp drive model requires no exotic matter, scientists say. We can build it. Now, the first I'll throw out of here is this was written by Christopher Plain. P-L-A-I-N. So not aeroplane, but Christopher Plain, which sounds like it's... The name an alien, space alien would use. <laughs> yes. yes. It is a perfectly human name. I am Bob Human. Yes, Christopher <laughs> Plain. Yes, that will <laughs> throw them off of the track. I am not exotic at all. That was my first question with this entire article. What the hell is exotic matter? I, does it eat weird food? Does it have nipple tassels? What's going on here? Exotic matter is typically matter that is a single mother and dances just for the money. And she has a heart of gold. Heart of gold. Right. So. Works at the Eager Beaver. There's another movie from 1994 (laughs) or thereabouts. Well, I I, I think of exotic matter as essentially being the uh, material equivalent of imaginary numbers. It is exactly that. (laughs) It seems that way to me, too. Actually, it's the square root of negative iron. Okay. I got I got I got a laugh out of that one. There's a group in Sweden. I imagine them wearing bikinis, but that might be bad depending on what kind of but they're all middle-aged male scientists. Wait, well, yes. That but, probably throws a little cold water on that imagination. But, huh? but the very first uh, mathematical model of a warp drive was from a uh, Mexican mathematician named Miguel. Are we sure it wasn't from Star Trek? Because it sounds like it might be from Star Trek. No, the first actual mathematical description. Oh, okay. All right. His name is El Cuberi, but we'll just call him Miguel because I'm... I'm going to strangle myself if I keep trying to say his last name. They decided that it required exotic matter and it wouldn't work because it was also too low to the ground because low riders travel slower than light now. Slow (laughs) riders have to use exotic matter. That's the first time that the phrase exotic matter has been used in that song ever. And maybe the world is a better place that that never happened. Probably so. Okay. That's not like a Nuremberg level war crime, is it? It's getting close. Okay. So Miguel's ship required made us stuff to work. So now we get to the article here where it says, if not for an American, a Russian, and an Iranian, physical warp drives would never have happened. So the only way to have no borders was to make Sweden our host country. That's an actual line from this article. I don't think it's happened yet. Am I wrong about that? It, Am I misreading it, that? Well, well, here's the the problem. Here is you, the first warp drive needed exotic matter, right? So now we need an American, a Russian, and Iranian living in a Nordic country. So they're artificial sweeteners. <laughs> <laughs> I got you on that one too. That was pretty good. Yeah, I'll give you that one. But reading the article, my first question was, okay. How are they going to do that? Let's get some of the details. They say that you can travel really fast and they say they can reduce the speed of time within their warp bubble by a factor of 360 to one. But how are they going to do it? Nothing mentioned in the article. Nothing, not at all, no clue. 
we need more precise instruments. That's all they said. It seems to me that the people who thought about the warp drive in Star Trek put more effort into it than these guys have. Because yes. I remember seeing a documentary or reading something about the folks who noodled through the whole warp drive thing and traveling it at warp whatever it was mm -hmm. they were. And they figured out something about it had to do with bending space, which is how they traveled. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And they figured out that the fastest they could, they could go was like 9.999 warp because otherwise they would be able to travel anywhere in the universe in the blink of an okay. eye. And they had to make it long enough to make the show interesting. And I'm sorry, because now you're going off of the original Star Trek, actually, that went to warp 12. So I'm... Cause, right, because this is next generation. I'm yeah, about. they just made things up. That's all. Seems to me show. they thought about it a little bit more than this guy has. That's true. One of the things that puzzled me was, you know, under Al Caberi's original idea, you had this warp bubble of space-time around an object. And because space-time can expand or move faster than light, then, you know, that meant anything within the bubble... As far as the bubble is concerned, you are stationary inside that bubble, but that bubble relative to the rest of the, of the universe could then exceed the speed of light. Yes. I don't understand what type of bubble are they trying to create here. And I think it's the bubble from the bong water. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're sitting around and they figured out how to get the Swedes to pay for their weed and booze habit. And they're just sitting around getting stoned and making up stuff. Hey, it took a special place like Sweden to get us all together, man. That is correct, dude. Yeah. I think that uh, space travel is like a marathon. Like a marathon that starts off in Stockholm and it's run until it hits the eastern border of Sweden. And they hit the finish line. <laughs> finish line. Oh. Why do you hit me on the shoulder when you tell these terrible jokes? Because, I'm sitting right here. I can hear you. Because the, when the jokes are that good, you just have to hit someone. And it's not that I'm not laughing because I didn't Shameful. get Shameful. <laughs> those are good jokes. This is top quality humor. It is pile on John night. <laughs> oh, that's, that's fine. <laughs> You're used to it. I'm used to it because you know what? I'm a funny guy. And, spe and speaking I'm of funny. Sorry. Yeah. It's now time to hear from our sponsor, Bonnie's Cup. Mmm, damn, Jimmy. This is some serious gourmet shit. Me and Vince would have been satisfied with some freeze-dried taster's choice, right? Heh. <laughs> and he springs this serious gourmet shit on us. What flavor is this? Knock it off, Jules. What? I don't need you to, to tell me how good my coffee is. I'm the one who buys it. I know how good it is. When Bonnie goes shopping, she buys shit. I buy the gourmet expensive stuff because when I drink it, I want to taste it. But do you know what's on my mind right now? It ain't the coffee in my kitchen. It's the fact that the sun isn't producing enough neutrinos, Jules. And if that's the case, well then, all life on Earth might be in jeopardy. Do you think about things like that when you drink Bonnie's coffee? Well, no. Well, maybe you ought to think about switching. Bonnie's Coffee. When you absolutely don't want to think about the infinite number of ways that humanity can be driven to extinction. Bonnie's Coffee. It isn't gourmet, but it isn't shit. And, just like the wolf said, good coffee. Now we turn it over to T-Bone with his story from the New York Post. Ex-CIA director believes UFOs could exist because Pal's plane paused. That's yeah, your cue, this, Yeah, this, you're going to keep interrupting me until I actually start talking, aren't you? 
Well, maybe. That that's how this usually works. <laughs> Your turn, Mark. You can jump in on this. It's great. It's like it's like. Watching a game. No, no. I'll interrupt once he gets started talking. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this story. It's actually from a podcast in which the interviewer interviews a former CIA director. And he mentions that one of his colleagues had a very strange experience while he was flying a jet, that his airplane was actually paused, like a UFO fired a beam of some kind at his plane, and it just stood still in the air for over a second at 40,000 feet. And this gentleman starts started recounting other strange experiences that other people at the CIA had noticed. They all happened on the way to the Pink Floyd laser light show. Yes, like yes. Yeah. No, no weed involved in that at all. None. <laughs> now, this is back when the CIA was experimenting with LSD. Which is better. <laughs> yes. No, I'm just yes. kidding. I have no idea. <laughs> Continuing on, he said that the 2017 disclosure, which eventually was published in the New York Times, that uh, kind of led him to coincidentally think that maybe that there are UFOs out there, which certainly is not lawyer speak at all. Government agencies have been releasing more and more accounts of things like this from classification. It seems like this is just another part of their attempt to have a like soft disclosure instead of having one giant release that freaks everyone out. What? What? Nothing. What's funny? I'm 12. I'm 12. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> and additionally, there, there's going to be a Pentagon report that comes out uh, on June, which may or may not indicate that UFOs are a PSYOP. Do you think that they would say it was a PSYOP? Do you think that it was, it was the most... No, I think, I think disclosure might be a PSYOP. Okay. Well, what worries me about yeah. the whole thing is that it seems like all of these ex-CIA directors don't know what thing about the things that go on in the intelligence agencies in this country if they don't know who does i would be okay if it were a giant a giant psyop as long as they reveal that there was a rip underneath the pacific ocean that's leading these giant creatures to come out and attack and we spent several trillion dollars making skyscraper sized robots to fight each other that would be fun it's all uh, weather balloons and marsh gas it also might be technology we we might be a nursery planet <laughs> for aliens and Elon Musk has figured this out. The way to make an alien baby sleep is rocket. <laughs> oh. And Elon Musk is probably an alien. <laughs> right? Can we all agree on that? Well, it yes, yes. Aliens. He is an alien. It, it might not be aliens. It might be something occult. The CIA, I heard, had an occult window washer. He used a squeegee board. <laughs> but, okay, when you make Mark go, Ugh. That's a bad joke. Man. Okay, here's here's what I want to see is when when the the final report comes out in June, the the guy will start to uh, read at the podium whoever is announcing this in front of all the uh, reporters, and then he'll like suddenly pause and just rip off his rubber mask, showing him to be an alien underneath, and then all the reporters will do the same. Jesse Ventura was right. What if they all rip off the mask and they're all Elon Musk underneath? I'm here to do <laughs> bubblegum and kick ass, and I'm all out of bubblegum. I got plenty of ass, so I got that going for me. There, there we go. Yeah. But it's time for... Everyone's favorite mentally deficient head of state, Hyden with Biden. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States. 
Good evening, fellow Earthlings. I mean, Armenians? No, that doesn't seem right either. Americans, sir. It's Americans. Oh, right. Good evening, fellow Americans. That's the one, isn't it? Good. Here's the deal. I want to be honest with the country we've lived through four decades. No, not decades. You know, the shorter one. Not the month. Year. Yes, year. That's the one. Anyway, this year should be a good one. We just need to hold on a little longer. Here's the deal. I want to be honest with the country. We've lived through four decades. And not decades, you know, the, the shorter one. Longer than a month. Oh, where's the page in my book about this? We need to recognize that words matter. Anyway, I'm, I'm serious. This isn't a joke, and that's not hyperbole. President Harris and I... That's Vice President Harris, sir. Really? Because I saw her in the Oval Office yesterday measuring the place for curtains. Okay. Anyway, look, folks, we have a lot of work to do. And as a hard-working Scranton guy, I'm the guy from Scranton. We can do this as long as we do this together and get it done. That's how you can go from working in a cola mine to graduating at the top of your law school class. I'm serious. We can unity. Good night. And God bless the United States of Gibraltar. Wow. Who knew he had that much stuff in his basement? All right. I heard he got a new box of crayons the other day. Wow. That made him very excited. He's earned it, right? Trillions of dollars. Should a guy should get a box of crayons out of that? It's not even a new box. They just keep on giving him the same box day <laughs> after day. He just doesn't remember. He uh, finally got his Nobel Peace Prize for winning uh, first place in Mario Kart, but that box hasn't arrived yet. And the medal is made of chocolate, so he, <laughs> yes. he's already eaten it. He's already gotten six. <laughs> <laughs> that brings us to from Scholar's Stage, a really excellent article. Welcome to the Decade of Concern. So. Why don't you take it away, Mark? Oh, thanks, John. <laughs> I feel bad. It seems like I always have the most depressing stories to tell or talk about on this. The gist of this uh, article is the author, uh, he'd uh, read a couple reports recently. One was called the U.S. Military Forces in Fiscal Year 2021, the last year of growth, question mark. And then a uh, second one that was called the 2020s Tri-Service Mar- Modernization Crunch. And he found them alarming. And he notes that when you're planning long-term for your military and how you want to develop it and fund it and so forth, you have to balance essentially three main areas. One area they have to look at is modernization, which basically means building lots of cool new stuff that works better than anything you've had before. Force structure, which is sort of like modernization, except as to how you actually organize your your forces and and decide which ones you're going to have or not. So an example of modernization, of course, you know, what we see constantly is the constant upgrades to fighter aircraft, you know, next generation. I mean, I think they're working on sixth generation fighter aircraft now, but it happens with everything that that it has to be modernized after a while. Force structure, as I indicated, is sort of the same thing as far as as organizing and deciding what type of forces that you're going to have and what they're going to be good at. So, for instance, we've had several decades of fighting, essentially, insurgent wars in the Middle East, and now everybody's starting to shift back to fighting near peers. 
with technological changes, it's meant that they're they're having to reshuffle a lot of different things. One of the things that, that I noted on that, when they talk about, you know, our force composition, it was really how do we get from today where we have uh, fighters that are 29 years old on average, bombers that average 42 years old, and refueling airplanes that are nearly 50 years old to Skynet. Right now, our forces are so cold, we don't, we can't have Terminators. It's not, I'll be back, but ah, my back. I mean, we're really in, in very bad shape. Well, you know, I've kind of always thought for a long time that we are really well prepared to fight World War II again. Yes. We are prepared for that. That, And even after we've been in Iraq and Afghanistan for 20 years, we still don't seem like we've really adjusted well to the finding that insurgency stuff. And that's not a knock against our fighting guys and gals. They do a wonderful job with what they have. It's the higher ups. And I thought that was one of the most telling quotes that he had in that piece from someone named Eagleton, who said, today, the U.S. military is in the middle of a future that was mortgaged to pay for wars of yesterday. Mm -hmm. The United States Marine Corps, which is traditionally and very deservedly one of the proudest forces, turned into a coastal artillery battery. These three things that he mentions in the article, it seems to me that we spend a lot of money on things that don't fit into any of those categories. For example, paratrooper uniforms for pregnant women. And, you know, trying to figure out how to prevent where we have mixed units with men and women, how to keep them from having sexual behavior between them and misbehavior. That's the important part, right? Where does that fall into those three categories? And of course, transition surgery. Right. Why are we considering that? T-Bone, you've been suspiciously quiet. What do you have to say about this? Are you awake? I take well, that as a no. <laughs> No, I was definitely asleep. No, I did. I did read the article and it tracks with a lot of what I've heard about our uh, modern military. I've heard stories of inspections on aircraft carriers and destroyers where they go into the uh, into the bridge and it's just covered in trash and there's like feces on the floor and everything is literally broken. This is true. When the uh, destroyer in uh, hit the freighter in the Pacific, I believe it was because the captain, who is female, was not speaking to the person in navigation, who was also female. They know why. <laughs> but, you know, we're talking about China, and I just think it's really sad that there's no kid in China that believes in Santa Claus. Because they're making the toys. <laughs> well, on that note, we'll be back next week with another edition of Bombs and Bants. And thank you for listening. I'm John. I'm Mark. And I'm Vanessa. Take care. Y'all come back now, you hear? <laughs>